0: To see for yourselves, one of the most amazing events. When is this great experiment for made? Impervious to heat, impossible to move. Is it human or inhuman? Yes. Gentlemen, do you realize what we've found?
1: It's time for the Beaky Podcast. Bye.
2: Welcome to the Geeky Berry Podcast. I am not Ryan Parish, I am Lee Price, but Ryan Parrish is here. Hello. We have Guy Halford. Oh, um, and yeah. uh, we have people who field. Thanks, Lee. Um, we are covering the games of the decade, which is why I'm kind of here. If you've been following, you kinda of know that I'm the games guy, so that's why I'm leaving all <laughs> this. So we're talking about the last decade of games, just like the music one we did a few months back. And
1: uh Which this was supposed to be a couple of weeks later. Yeah, yeah.
2: We took a while to get round to this one, but uh so waiting we...
1: We to the year to get round to film Five Detectives. So. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, anyway. Um timely with all our information as yeah. always. <laughs> uh yeah, so what the way this is gonna work is we're gonna run through year by year. Um I'm gonna I've picked out what I feel are the most defining games of each year, not necessarily the best ones, but just sort of the games that kind of defined what was going on with gaming and what the trends were at the time, and then for each year, we're each going to pick out our favourite game of that year. So, with that, we're going to start in 2010, which which was the year, we were still in the sort of era of the 360, the PS3, and the Wii were still out. Uh, we had the launch of OnLive, which was the first game streaming service, which went nowhere. What uh, is that? I forgot that existed. Yeah, yeah, I saw it when I was doing all my research. I was like, oh, that that was a thing, wasn't it? It's yeah.
3: basically got a controller and everything else was, like, and a little black box. And everything yeah, it's stream. basically
2: what Google are going to be doing. But it didn't work. Yeah. yeah. Um, we also saw kind of the decline of uh, the instrument-based music game, because that was the year that DJ Hero 2 and Rock Band 3 came out and didn't really do very well.
1: I loved DJ Hero. It was so great. Like, <laughs> it was great, so
2: yeah. You know, I, lo- I love the DJ Hero games. Um, but we also had games like Mass Effect 2, Final Fantasy 13, Civ Five, God of War 3, Heavy Rain, and Alan Wake all came out in that year. The Assassin's Creed for that year was Brotherhood, and the Call of Duty <laughs> for that year was Black Ops. This may be a theme. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the games that I picked as the defining ones, the first one I picked was uh, StarCraft 2 which I was genuinely surprised that that came out in 2010 because I thought it was older than that.
3: That, that Wings of Liberty was the first one I
1: think think think
3: it was. Then it was Heart of the Swarm next or something like that. Yeah, but
2: the Starcraft 2 base thing came out in in 2010 and I picked it because it's one of the most prominent esports. And do you, do you must it? build additional
3: pylons. That's yeah. what you must do, Guy. You yeah. build additional pylons.
2: It's basically it's a real time strategy game. You've got to kind of manage your various units and things against an invading. Do you remember alien, sort of command and conquer?
1: Yeah, of course, I remember command and conquer. It's, it's
2: like that sort of thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But it's
3: in space.
1: Okay. Um, what, what, what? Why?
3: And the zerg's being rushed at you.
2: Yes. But yeah, it's, it's one of the big sort of esports games, and it's still huge to this day, especially in Korea, where it's just, it's the big game, somehow. <laughs> and, um, and it's also resurfaced in the news earlier this year, when a pro player was pitted against an AI, a sort of highly advanced AI, sort of like when they did the, the chess thing back in the 90s, whatever. Uh, so that was my first pick for that. Um, second pick was Red Dead Redemption. Did he win? Uh, I think he lost.
1: <laughs>
3: um, yeah, a... I, I've actually read up about that story recently. They're actually deploying that bot mm. into the leagues and not telling people if they're playing against humans uh, okay. or uh, AI anymore. Well, I like a Starcraft section for it as well. Yeah, but well, no, it's a Starcraft and they're using the league games to train it up. Okay.
1: okay.
2: Um, so the next game, Red Dead Redemption, um, it was the huge sort of big rock star game that followed on from GTA 4. So it's hugely anticipated. One of the big games of the year. And uh, of course it led to people spending most of the rest of the decade then just going, so where's the second one? <laughs> <laughs> Until it eventually came out. Um, oh, I was wondering,
1: what's the connection to Red Dead Revolver?
3: So Red Dead Revolver was a completely different studio that yeah. went under. Rockstar just bought the license, but it mm-hmm. has little to no yeah, connection. Yeah. I think a few characters have carried over the... Yeah. Itself I, think they're, they're
2: defi- I think they're set in the same world, but they're yeah. largely
3: separate. So.
1: Right. What's the better game?
3: Um, Redemption. Yeah, Gun was a better game than Red Dead Revolver. <laughs> i just saying it
1: now. i thought the game, too. It was awesome. A game, a game console that keeps us to play it. A solid
3: console? <laughs> <laughs> Greatest Nintendo console. <laughs> nah, you want to
1: buy having all laugh? that? <laughs> you know your, your little, little old big claims. Nintendo sixty-four, obviously. <laughs> GameCube yeah.
3: was a better console. He had better titles. Yeah, the sixty-four was good,
1: but yeah, yeah mm. but you had the fun of like,
3: putting cartridges in. It's always fun. Putting you TV had 8 cm DVDs. It was, it was just, like a future world. It was like
2: Johnny <laughs> DeMonic. <laughs> anyway, to return, yes. sorry. Yes, and sorry, finally, the third game was a bit of a. It kind of it might be a bit of a surprising choice, but I picked Amnesia: The Dark Descent because uh, at this point in the games industry, the horror games had kind of just disappeared because the big companies had decided no one wants to play horror games anymore. Then along comes this indie game that's a horror game, and everyone jumps on it because they want a horror game. And it also kind of helped like launch a lot of big YouTube Let's Plays because loads of people decided to play it, and loads of people were watching that because they wanted to see. Youtubers just get terrified of this terrifying game. <laughs> well, I've heard
1: of this. What so? What's, what's the plot of the game?
2: So amnesia is it's sort of set in like this sort of big castle. I think it's like a Victorian era type thing. And um, a guy wakes up. He's got amnesia, and there's like a weird sort of creeping darkness. Going. Wall, he's got
3: a, is a torch or something. Yeah, like.
2: and like he's got to He's trying to figure out why he's there, what's going on, and there's this sort of creeping darkness constantly. Uh, it is the only uh, game to ever cause me to have panic attacks.
1: So what's so scary about it,
2: though? I think, for me, it's just the fact that it's a first-person thing, and it's just, it's constantly tense. Okay. So there's this constant tense atmosphere, and you you also have no ability to fight back right. against creatures that you find. You have to hide, you have to run away. Um. So there is that element of it, and I think, for me that sort of sense of powerlessness is what caused the panic attacks yes. when I played it so I could it's, not finish it it was
3: taking that Resident Evil 2 game mm-hmm. to the next level basically yeah. where you had to basically hide but
2: it, and... but it did lead to a huge sort of YouTube explosion of people just wanting to watch
3: YouTube is just I remember somebody else being scared out of their mind quite a few years ago with the Geeky Ruby show <laughs> <laughs> when, oh, so, when when Guy bought his PlayStation VR <laughs> 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 and Philippa just like, squealed and through the chair across the room.
1: Do you remember when you you didn't quite get scared, but somehow you managed to break a shelf? Yes. In the process of you playing it, and like you had no idea but there's me and Keith desperately trying to prop a shelf on. <laughs> <laughs> what did you even do? Because you you, did, you moved your arm in a weird way, but you weren't scared. Like, you just swung your arm like yeah. like weirdly and just knocked a shelf. I out. don't know. I was in VR world. <laughs> <laughs> like Roger, that's realistic. It's like yeah, because all the books are falling on your head.
2: Okay, so those were the the games I picked as, like, the defining games. What was your game, though? So, I'm going to pass it over to the three of you for your game of 2010. Um,
3: well, I'm quite surprised you didn't have this one on your list, to be honest. Okay, because it is the last great Bioware game before they were soiled by the touch of EA. Okay. Soiled? Which is Mass Effect 2. I briefly mentioned this it. yeah. in my initial roundup. Yes, yes, but it is the greatest sci-fi slash action mm. RPG adventure game that has come out of that whole Mass Effect series, mm. it really know the format engaging characters brilliant act- voice acting all the way through it's an amazing story got a real the first game was pretty ploddy to be fair mm.
1: what word is that? Cloddy! have you played? Ploddy. Have
3: you played Mass Effect One? It's kind of it's it's wading through mud until I think the main thing. the, about, act. the main thing I know about Mass Effect One is the lifts. Yes, lifts and the worst inventory system known okay. okay. to man.
1: <laughs> you literally made up a word there, Cloddy. Yes.
3: But it was <laughs> Mass Effect Two was the pinnacle of that series, I think, and Mass Effect Three was never going to be able to live up to it. Mm-hmm. Brilliant one. It's probably the first one where DLC. Was actually engaging into a game and it actually wow. made sense being slotted in rather than just horse armor or bolted on bits. <laughs> this was like actual proper expansion packs, so you had Lair of the Shadow Broker, <laughs> uh, Project Overlord, things like that. This is one of my all time favourite games. Cool.
0: Keith, you look ready. I've, I've restricted myself to it games I actually stray... played yeah. as yes. well, even Same though there were titles really... that I always aware of. Yeah. I'm, I'm quite concerned. Yeah, yeah. so, the game that I played the most in two thousand and ten was Transformers: War for Cybertron, mm. um, <laughs> which since an Atari on Atari Transformers <laughs> game on the PlayStation two. This was the first time really where they kind of clicked into the the, the right look and feel mm. for a Transformers game. So this was obviously set. On well, Cybertron and stuff, so picking up off the back of the movies, but it was more Gen One. Related. Yeah, the, the, the designs of the characters and the voices and just the general gameplay mechanics. I mean, it was a straightforward kind of shooter, third person kind of yeah. shooter game, but it was quite engaging because it was really uh, kind of versed in Transformers kind of um, mythos, yeah. and, it really, and it really worked. Well, it was I a really good looking game, it,
3: and it was nice to have it on Cybertron, not on Earth as well. Because yeah, got a lot of backstory and a lot of lore. As you said, the voice acting—it was superb. Uh, there was
0: a lot, a lot going on. Some of the the scale, some of the scale that they had. Some of the kind of uh, the, the yeah. boss battles were massive scale things. So yeah. I, it was a game that I just enjoyed playing. Cool.
1: Guy? um, so I didn't have a great games console at this point. So um, did you have a Wii? Did <laughs> <laughs> <Is> you <laughs> have a Wii? Yeah. Is your um, game Wii Sports? <laughs> no, it's not a Wii Sports. So I like, literally, only had a... I um, I had a British games console. So, um to go with Donkey Kong Country Returns. Now, I my my first, my first three for the first three years here were a bit, a bit shady. A bit <laughs> rough <laughs> because uh, I didn't have a great experience muscles. I,
3: I was waiting for the Wii Shop music. To go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the Donkey Kong Country Returns was probably the only thing I really played mm-hmm. that, that year. It's a great game. <laughs> uh, it was classic old school, Donkey it, Kong. It, country. it is a fun game. Yeah, it's ch- the challenge of Donkey Kong was, it's just fun to see those characters in that kind of platforming type game again. Um, they've since released Tropical Freeze for the Switch and the mm-hmm. U, and that's been great. Mm-hmm. Um, Donkey Kong games always look great, they're always fun, they're just, they're just easy, to, not easy, to, they're really, really hard. Um, and I think that's what keeps you going is a challenge of it. Yeah. I always
3: looked to them as like Mario games, but more for an adult audience.
1: Yeah. A no,
2: but yeah. Yeah. Well. Uh, well, my favourite for 2010. Um, it's probably not a surprise that I like weird Japanese stuff. But, um, the, so naturally, the first game is a weird Japanese thing. It is Deadly Premonition.
3: Oh, that was the one with the camera, wasn't it?
2: Um, was it? No, it wasn't. No. It was, so... Oh, what I it, remember that. that. So this game, you are an FBI agent, and you go to a small American town where a girl has been murdered, and most of the game is, as well as trying to solve this murder, you encounter all these quirky, interesting characters. And yes, if this is sounding like Twin Peaks, uh, the developers were almost sued by 20th Century Foxes uh, during an early build where it was even more like Twin Peaks in the final game. Was there a
3: log lady at uh, Cherry Pie? <laughs> I, think, I think there was. Like,
2: they, the, they ended up changing it to a pot lady who was carrying around a cooking pot everywhere and all this kind of stuff. And it's, on the surface, it's not a great game. It's like made. It's, it's like so a really low. Made. It's a really low budget game, <laughs> but it's like it's just so weird and compelling. There's just always something interesting going on, just because of just how weird and strange it
3: is.
1: Now I remember like,
3: what it is. I remember it was like being builders. This is the next Silent Hill when
1: it came yeah. out. Yeah, I I played it uh, for a bit with, with Laura and. To be honest with you, I, I really struggled with it because it was mm-hmm. so badly made yeah, uh, and like, it's horrible to it's, use it. I it okay, back after a while. It's
2: one of those games where, it, like, on the surface, it's just it's it's got so many things working against it. But at the same time, like the entire time playing through it, I was just having a great time because it's just got so many and you can tell there's like a real heart to it. Mm. There's a lot of like really quirky ideas and really just weird things going on. The story goes places you just don't expect it to. Do you
1: feel like it's a game that probably needs to, uh, like one of these remastered sort of?
2: Yeah, I think I think it deserves like a bit of a tidy up and. Does it
3: need like a decent publisher to give it a polish? Maybe? Yeah,
2: yeah, I'd say so. I mean, the the developers of it these days they're kind of they're working on stuff that looks a bit more polished. They really recently released a game called The Missing at the end of last year, which is a bit more polished than that and. They got a game called The Good Life coming out, which is kind of another small town thing. A British couple. Who it are is set. It is set in like a small British village, but the quirk of it is, is that everyone turns into cats occasionally. <laughs> okay. Um, like freaky,
1: like like film type cats, or
2: like as in actual cats. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I picked Dirty Premonition because it just it's one of the worst games I've ever played that was the best experience I've ever had. It's one of those so bad it's good things. Mm. So that's uh, that was my game. Uh, so, for 2011, uh, we were seeing sort of this was when the Wii started to disappear. We had really just Skyward Sword and not really much else coming out of the Wii at that point. Uh, but the 3DS launched that year and it launched with uh, such high profile titles as Pilot Wings Resort.
1: Pilot Wings Resort was great, though.
2: Nintendogs and Cats. Brilliant. And various just ports of different things. And. Uh, we also saw the toys to life, life fad starting that year because that was when Skylanders oh, launched. Oh. Uh, Duke Nukem Forever finally <laughs> came out <laughs> in 2011 and disappointed many. The initials made that game also better <laughs> <hashed for> DNF. <laughs> yeah, <DNA. laughs> yeah. Uh, we also had uh, games uh, coming out that year like Portal 2, Batman Arkham City, Battlefield 3, Dead Space 2, and The Witcher 2 all came out that year. Um, the Assassin's Creed for that year was Revelations, and the Call of Duty was Modern Warfare 3. So the defining games for 2011, I actually found it really easy because all three of them just jumped out to me as like, yeah, these these are huge defining games. First one is Dark Souls, um, the, the first mm-hmm, hard game. Yes, exactly. It is. It's basically it's the game. It's the hard game that's become like this, a journalistic shorthand for this game is hard. How many times have journalists written the words "this is the Dark Souls of X"? over the last ten years and it's just it's got such a huge audience or it's
3: hard but it's no Dark Souls yeah. yeah
2: and it's got you know there's three of those there's Bloodborne there's Sekiro as well so you know FromSoft have kind of really built a name for themselves over the last decade with this series and yeah I kind of as soon as I saw it I was like yeah Dark Souls is clearly one of the defining games just of the decade the second one even more so it's Skyrim uh, <laughs> Really? No, because and it's just hugely popular. Like, so many people have played Skyrim, and it's released on everything at this point, and it's just one of the biggest games ever made, really. And in terms of games that are even bigger than that, the last game is Minecraft. Oh, which, of course, yeah. is one of the biggest selling franchises
3: now, and it's yes. just, you know. And it's it's, it's creating turn into some massive Twitter troll. Yeah. yeah. The billions of pounds. And I, of I love Lego. that it, I love that they've, they've
2: uh, stripped his name out of it now as well. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, it's just and it's sort of it's even like entered schools and things because they've made the educational version. If it's all about you know building your own things and encouraging creativity, so. And again, mean,
3: something else that launched the career of a thousand YouTubers. Yeah, that was another thing. Yeah. It's,
1: it's, it's a revolutionary game. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, I find I find it quite dull. Yeah. But it is revolutionary. It's so basic in what yeah. it does, but it's just. The, yeah. It's endless, it's just, there is, it is an educational thing, you yeah. know, it's, you remember that game you used to have at school, when we kids on the computer, was in like a little turn, you it went to like, yeah. like directions, with logo, yeah. it's kind of like, it's like the modern version of logo. Mm.
3: Well, I think some of the crazy stuff that you see built in it, it's like people yeah. making copies of London and New York, and mm. working computers, even weird stuff like that. And, it's... and
2: you can see its influence now, because... Only recently, Dragon Quest Builders 2 came out, and that's basically Dragon Quest, but Minecraft. Yes. So, there you go. It's like, how far away can we get without being sued? <laughs> <laughs> so, what are um, people's favourites from 2011?
1: Also, Minecraft, they never need to release a sequel. Yeah. Although, they're have they doing
2: the spin-offs, because they did the story mode with Telltale, mm-hmm. and they're doing, like, the dungeon crawler game coming up, that was an SE3, so, there
3: we go. I'm going to go really basic with my choice it was Skyrim it's the game that I ploughed more hours than yeah. anything else into in 2011 they ploughing a bit of rimming there yeah <laughs> I mean Oblivion was a great staging for Skyrim I think and the difference in technology between Oblivion and Skyrim moving from what I was playing on the Xbox 360 to moving it on to PC mm-hmm. with the Skyrim it was just a world awareness I remember people going crazy about having to build new PCs to try and make Skyrim mm-hmm. ultra work yeah but yeah, solid, boogie as hell. Typical Bethesda game. Yeah, but some great moments. Uh,
1: I'm gonna go with. Uh, I haven't played this game yet, so no spoilers. Cause I'm actually playing on the PlayStation Four, but this is when it was originally released. So mm-hmm. I can get Luke *Loophole*. It can be classed as a game. For 2011. Yes, *Alain uh, right. Noir. Uh, is okay. is, there, <laughs> is there, some people hate that game, but for me, it's. I find it fascinating. I think it's really. I think it's really interesting. It's a very, it is a very slow game. It's almost like a point and click with a little bit yeah. of like Grand Theft Auto style dynamic involved. But it is a very slow game but it's just it, they've got it right. It's great. You know, it's good sol- going around solving cases. There's a bit of a, every variety in that game. I and mean, okay, it gets repetitive after a while because you kind of follow the same suit. But it's just like I, I like the fact the game is doing different things. So there's crime solving elements mm-hmm. that there is a gun down chase element to it. There's a bit driving involved. Um, good, just good plot lines you know I, I love the film I confidential so you know it's a nice kind of See, this, was, up.
3: this was the game that was the tipping point with me where Rockstar t- stopped being a games company and started being a money machine because they, didn't,
1: they only distributed though no but
3: they had a deal with a uh, Metacritic score wasn't it it had to be over a certain amount uh-huh. before they'd get paid and it finished at one under yeah and Rockstar refused to pay it out and that's why the developer had to close down it's a good
1: game it be, yeah. But right. it's just I think it's a bit It's still kind of An under the radar game It'd be nice if there was A sequel to it At some mm-hmm. point um, But I think people Kind of just like Forget about this kind of like Rockstar title That didn't do very big And actually I think it's a surprising one I
2: think part of the problem With it from what I Understand is It's really like A narrative Detective mystery game mm-hmm. That kind of had A Grand Theft Auto Open world Tacked onto it That it didn't really need Yeah And I think They tried to sell it On that part of it when it that wasn't really what it was yeah
1: because you don't i feel like there's an open world too but you you don't ever really explore the yeah. open world. you go when the case tells you where to go you go where the case tells you to go mm-hmm. you don't really start on occasionally there's some of the off the street off the street side crimes you can go and solve yeah but literally you are as soon as you walk out the door of a building you're going straight to the next place to solve the case you know mm-hmm. it's not oh i'll drive around for a bit and enjoy the sights of I uh, no I'm literally okay, cool. straight from straight to place. The
3: first big game is mocapping and celebrities in it as well, wasn't it? Because we yeah. were trying to do yeah. that whole reading and telling the faces to work out the case.
1: I almost feel actually with the the game, like the one thing they could take back at is the driving segment because whilst well, sort of occasionally they're quite nice, sometimes they're quite they're quite long to get to a place mm-hmm. you don't necessarily need it, you could just The story could just progress, and then go straight to the next case. To be fair, I
2: could say the same thing about Debbie Premonition, which also had like tedious driving Yeah. made worse by the fact that you had a petrol meter and that thing ran out
0: ridiculously (laughs) (laughs) quickly. I've picked something just really bog standard that I just had a lot of fun playing during that year, which was um, Warhammer Forty Thousand Space Marine. Uh Oh, great! Yeah, solid in terms of the mechanics of it. You know, it was it was. First Very device. Warhammer, but yeah. it was kind of it was a, it was a good kind of fun game. That, you know, I could just blast through. You could play a level, get a bit of um, frustration out, and um, yeah, it was a, it was a, just a nice, solidly solidly well built, well structured, it? Was
3: slash, it? Just in the yeah, Warhammer you know, universe. it
0: was melee and and fighting combat, and it was just just well done, surprisingly for for a Warhammer game. it Actually, was. Pretty, pretty robust. Yeah,
2: yeah. I think like i I must, I think I kind of skipped over that when I'm, I'm researching just because Warhammer stuff just passes by. Well, they the just so. before
0: they'd released a, a downloadable game called Kill Squad, yes um, which yes. was quite good, a two-player um, da- game, which was quite nice. That mm-hmm. was quite. A, it was kind of isometric um, yeah. view, oh, which was kind of cool
3: ago, I think, because I did it with like Dawn of War, and yeah, one and, two and
0: stuff like that. But it was you know, and at the time my boy was well into the Warhammer stuff, so it was a game that we could play together as well. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a good just 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 fun, fun yeah. game. And okay. well, my
2: favourite for that year was um Little Big Planet Two.
3: And uh, media molecule I know, obsessed I know. man. it, it,
2: it <laughs> is it is what I think is media molecule's best game today. And it's just I really just like this sort of cute crafty aesthetics of the Little Big Cat series and it's the best one in that series. It really improved a lot on the first first game and it's it's just, I, I think of it as like just a really nice warm hug of a game that just, you, you can just
3: play around with it and yeah. build your levels and stuff as well. That was the thing with the first one. It was just come out of nowhere, didn't it? Yeah. And they they yeah. really hyped the second one because it, was it the PS4 launch title?
2: No, it was, only, this was still on PS3. Um, Little Big Car 3 came out in the PS3, but mm-hmm. that didn't get as hyped. And yeah. it wasn't as good, and it wasn't made by Media Molecular, it was a different studio. Um, and, you know, it's got Stephen Fry's the narrator still, so, you know, that's always a plus. So, there you go. That is my favourite for that year. Uh, for 2012, uh, there were two launches of incredibly successful systems in that year. We had the Wii U, <laughs> uh, which launched with a uh, New Super Mario Bros. U, Nintendo Land, who remembers that? What is
1: that?
2: It's basically like a mini game collection okay. thing.
1: Nintendo.
2: Oh. And Zombie
3: U. It was so the Zombie U had a very interesting mechanic. Yes. Which I'm surprised I haven't revisited. Which was mm-hmm. basically, if you die in the game, you're permanently dead. Yeah. You get a brand new character, and you have the choice of you can try and fight to get back to where you were with all the gear, mm-hmm. or just start off completely. Yeah, because like when you you through. you go to where you died
2: and your previous character would now be a zombie in the world and if you killed that zombie you'd get all the gear you had before so that was quite a cool mechanic um it was also the uh, launch year for the playstation vita uh which launched with uncharted golden abyss which wasn't as good as the main series and wipeout 2048 and gravity rush came out around that time mm-hmm. which almost made my favorite but i pushed it out for something else um but, of course, the Vita, the Vita did so well that I almost forgot to
3: include it on this thing. <laughs> <laughs> it was only when I looked through I went, hang on a minute, it came out in 2020. <laughs> oh, I had one of those for a bit, and then I'm not it. was surprising, because the PSP was actually quite successful mm. and having a good in the market. And the thing is, the Vita was a pretty decent
2: system, but it just didn't have the library mm-hmm. to sustain it, so it just went nowhere. But that year, we also had games like Halo 4, Journey, Borderlands 2... Far Cry 3, Mass Effect 3, Max Payne 3, a lot of 3s, uh, and XCOM, uh, the enemy <sighs> unknown game. XCOM, this game hates you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's um, why I should just start that series. <laughs> uh, the Assassin's Creed for that year was 3, and Call of Duty of that year was Black Ops 2. Um, defining games for this year was really, really difficult, because it was kind of a weird year. It was kind of like a weird transitional year, because we was starting to wind down mm. the, the yeah. generations. So. But I kind of... So my choices might not necessarily be things that people might agree with, but I think the first one I picked was Spec Ops The Line, which I felt... Solid. It kind of followed on from it. We had a lot of military shooters before this point. And, you know, it was a huge thing, you know. Tom Clancy's of... the
1: vision, Tom Clancy's <laughs> it's Tom Clancy's well, far <laughs> ago, the terrorists!
2: Well, Call of Duty came out and it was a, a huge success and it sold millions and everything, so everyone wanted to have a military shooter. And what Spec Ops the Line kind of did was it kind of just came in and went, here's the last word in that. And it just, because instead of being all gung-ho, let's yeah. go save the world and war is great and we're fighting for freedom, Really terrible, and you're a horrible person doing horrible things. Yeah, I mean, and it really redefined what a military yeah. shooter could show off. And
3: yeah, cause it was it was basically you know that day uh, Mitchell and Webb sketch, which gets replayed all the time. Yes, it was <laughs> basically way are we the baddies? Yeah, this was the game that was like yeah. the epitome of that kind of yeah. feel, which is basically America isn't the green mm-hmm. white savior of yeah. the world, and um, it, it's a, it's just sort
2: of it, and it kind of helps that progression of more maturing in game storylines where it wasn't just like, let's go fight some bad guys, but it was like, let's examine what war is and what is going on there. Um, Similarly, on a sort of of bringing narrative to games, um, The Walking Dead Season 1 Telltale's series Mm -hmm. uh, because we saw, you know, this decade, we've seen a lot of these sort of narrative games come back and it kind of brought back the narrative adventure
3: game and redefined what it was. I don't think if you had Telltale, you would have had Double Fine Studios. Because mm. Double Fine would basically rode that nostalgia wave yeah. for, like a truck to yeah.
0: get back into the market. Yeah, so it's, it's a shame Telltale's not here anymore. Probably. Yeah. But... I did dig the t- uh, Walking Dead games I'm currently playing mm. through the collection. again Because... Mm-hmm. I don't own the system that I originally played it on. Yeah. 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 And it still still stands up as um, good keep, storytelling.
1: Keith Roomfield's love for it, I don't own the system. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah, it, it, you know, it sort of it led to things. I think because of stuff like that, you had things like Until Dawn and Life is Strange following, mm-hmm. and just a lot of sort of indie projects that are very narrative focused and choice focused. So I think Walking Dead helped spark a lot of that. And the last one, for better or worse, is Candy Crush Saga. <laughs> because it kind of defined what the mobile market has become, I think, for it, it, better or worse. It was the first egregious cash grab for live yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, And, like, you only need to look at, like, the App Store or Google Play at this point, and it's pretty much just all Candy Crush clones. Yes,
3: it's all match-three games yeah, with, oh, yeah. you run out of lives, yeah. Yeah. wait three hours or pay ten pounds. Yeah,
2: so I think, you know, it's not necessarily a good thing. It kind of defines what was going on, but it does show what kind of happened there with the mobile market and where yeah. the mobile market became. I think Candy Crush was that turning point. It took off and it was a huge thing. So, you know, like I said, weird year. So
0: <laughs> let's see what the favourites are. Um, you've already mentioned it uh, in your list of, of notable games, but for me, that, the game of the, of the year and still one of my favourite games ever, Journey. Just okay. because there, it was beautiful, the mechanic was so smooth, the sound, the look, the art direction, and just everything about that game was just amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and because it was so different to like lots of other games, I mean, you, you didn't shoot anything, um, but there was just something about that game that just sucked you in. Just the whole thing, just even the, the, the kind of title screen. Um, was just a, just a wonderful, wonderful game. Downloadable um, content as well, which was kind of one of those bizarre things. It wasn't a physical release, I think, at mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just a game, you know, it was relatively short. But again, the idea that you, you could wander through that land and, and meet another player. Yeah. Where you, there was no communication. You didn't talk to them. There was just any, lots of sitting, hopping. There, yeah. would just be, there would just be somebody sitting in the desert that would be another player in a different part of the world and you kind of would have these kind of encounters. Um, but it was just a, beaut- a beautifully haunting game, which I still love today.
2: Yeah, i played a tiny bit of it. I haven't played it properly, but um, it does seem like, just from what I've played, just such a an artful sort of yeah. game that just is very much its own thing. So uh, I'd say that's a good choice.
0: I think it's the same developer that did uh, Flower yeah, and stuff game. before. Yeah. So yeah, I think there's a certain aesthetic that they go for, Yeah, um, but it was lovely. Okay.
1: Uh, okay, so again, it's a game which i only recently released that I've done on pl- PS4, I haven't completed it yet, because, again, I didn't, really, I didn't get a PlayStation, uh, PlayStation 3 until the end of 2012, mm-hmm. so I didn't really play out many games, uh, obviously I obviously spent more time playing outside with hoops. Um, yeah. So I put this, this, I didn't know this game came out in this year, because I played it later, not later on, but um, Thomas Was Alone oh, okay. is... It's a good little game because it's quite a—it's a really unique idea, and its its, it's, it's quite—it's quite a nice game. The narration and just—it's just very basic, sort of like moving blocks around to solve mm-hmm. puzzles. But there's sort like these said about the big it's heartwarming and stuff yeah. like that. There's a there's nice, nice feeling to this kind of like obscurity about moving this little square around and mm-hmm. these rectangle friends and whatnot. And I just—I just like the idea behind it. Someone's done something very basic. It almost feels like a school project. Yeah. And it just stands out. Even the title like, stands out at you. And...
2: and I also like that the guy who made that game is now making the John Wick game. Is it? Yeah, <laughs> it's the same guy. And also, because you mentioned that it was similar to little Big Planet, they're both games with affable British people narrating them. Yes, they Because it's Danny Wallace
1: doing that one. <laughs> but it's, just, it's, just a lot, it's a nice little game. It's an easy play. It's you mm. know, not too calm to me. Certainly, it takes you a couple of hours and weirdly happens am- to pee it. Up. Yeah. Um, it you know, it's just it's just something that's
3: easy to play and nice. Um, my original choice was going to be Far Cry Three because I mm-hmm. think it was the perfection of that kind of Ubisoft open world map. Go up the tower, unlock yeah. the area, do all the missions, move on to the next area. And it's it's one it's got endless replayability. And it gave us Blood Dragon, which is one of the greatest eighties oh, yes, pastiche yes, yeah. of all time. But my actual choice, and I've wax lyrical about this before, is Sleeping Dogs. Okay. I absolutely love Sleeping Dogs. It so- story is solid. Really like the way the combat handles with the counter system. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of the best versions of hand-to-hand combat I've seen in the game. Okay. Um, it kind of really goes into that kind of um, hard-boiled Hong Kong movie genre, which I'm a big fan of. I mean, there's DLC on it as well, which then riffs off the '70s kung fu movies. So I you think have, I've seen some of that. Yeah, yeah, and there's yeah. like a horror. DLCs so there's all mm-hmm. these different little DLCs but um, it's really good representation of Hong Kong city itself uh, it's, the driving in it is actually one of the better versions of driving I've seen in the game mm-hmm. it's not like ridiculously hard to drive a vehicle like you had in GTA 4 yeah and it was just like it was all those things together and it's a game that I will occasionally still pick up and play nowadays yeah. if i have got a spare half an hour I'll just log on do another mission mm-hmm. And it's quite fun, enjoyable game, and really recommend it if you've not ever experienced it. I think the Definitive Edition used goes on sale for like a couple of quid nowadays. Yeah. So if you've not played it, really pick it up. Yeah, I do know that it was like very overlooked at the time. Yeah. Like, well, it was supposed to be True Crime Streets of Hong Kong, is yeah. the original one, and then I think Square Enix picked up the developer after the, was it the collapse of Atari? Probably, yeah. I think it was the collapse think, yeah. of Atari around that time. Square Enix picked it up, was supposed to be true crime, relabeled it, and unfortunately never sold it enough at the time to yeah. be worthy of the sequel in Square Enix's eyes. Yeah.
2: Cool. Uh, so my game of twenty twelve, um, I almost went with Gravity Rush, but I ended up going with Dishonored, uh, which I've talked about on the show before because I was playing through it. Yeah. And um, I just think it was such a really good sort of stealth game. Stood out from what was going from a lot of other games that were going on at the time. I just really love the sort of freedom you get to kind of go after the different objectives. You can Mm -hmm. play it in so many different ways. You know, even if you are, like, going just a stealth route, there are still so many ways you could approach it. You know, employ different tactics to distract guards or...
3: I always thought it like, a spiritual successor to the Thief series. Yeah, I mean, there's even,
2: like, one part in Dishonored which directly references Thief. Mm -hmm. Because you find this... You go into, like, this assassin's den. Yeah. And you've got one guy telling an apprentice mm-hmm. so sort of that he needs to move through the shadows in a specific way, and most of that dialogue is taken from Thief's tutorial, yeah, like word for word, um, which I'm amazed they even got away with because different publishers and everything, but yeah, um, but yeah, it's it's just, and I just really like the weird world that it's set in because it's just, it's sort of this weird. You've got all these weird eldritch horrors that exist in the world, just on the periphery, and there's this idea that. The world's kind of almost falling into a void, and if you're not kind of, if you like kind of let chaos reign, the world will fall into that void. So that's that kind of affects the outcome of the game a little bit. And I just really like just the just sheer variety of
3: things that are happening in that game. The whole thing with the whale oil in that game, I always found very weird. Yeah, because like everything runs on whales, and the
2: whales themselves are kind of weird and creepy when you actually sort of have a look at them because they're not just whales. They're just yeah. these weird eldritch beasts that vaguely resemble whales. So, yeah, I really love that game, so. Mm-hmm. Moving on to 2013.
1: Oh, it's a big year! Yeah.
2: Some of the games that came out earlier in that year, we had things like Crisis 3, Bioshock Infinite, Payday 2, Saints Row 4, the Tomb Raider reboot came out that year. We also had a couple of questionable decisions going on with some games because we had the Devil May Cry reboot, which was not particularly well received. <laughs> Uh, we also had um, the launch of that SimCity game, which annoyed a lot of people because it had the, oh, the always the online, online mechanic in a, a game, game
3: where broadband wasn't yeah. strictly speaking taken up everywhere.
2: It was the year that um, Final Fantasy XIV <laughs> relaunched successfully after coming out and disappointing everyone. They did a new version this year and actually took off and did really well. But the big things in 2013, it was the launch of the Xbox One. And the PS4, the Xbox One launching with Dead Rising 3, Killer Instinct and Rise, Son of Rome, a game that no one remembers. <laughs> the uh, X-Bone of yes. the um, loving, you know. Yeah, and the PS4 launched with uh, Killzone Shadowfall, Knack and Razor Gun. And Again, stellar titles. There. Yeah, everybody remembers
1: Knack and Killzone were great. <laughs> Only completed them this
2: year. Uh, the Assassin's Creed for that year was Black Flag and the Call of Duty was Ghosts. Uh, but... I think it really wasn't difficult to pick the defining game of twenty thirteen because it was Grand Theft Auto Five, um, which is not only like the biggest game of twenty thirteen, it's also one of the most profitable entertainment
3: products ever made. And so much so that Rockstar couldn't get off their arse to make Grand Theft Auto six years since it's been out. You is know what though, like, I, I I've always thought
1: with Rockstar now. I don't know where they'd go with GTA six because they put so much into GTA five but uh, how do you at the moment where, where they
2: go is they just make tons of money off gta online yeah they just put the casino in so you know they're, they're probably making bank off that at this point um so yeah i mean that one kind of went without saying really graphic 4 5 and then um i picked this was a kind of a weird one because i wanted to include cause mobas were pretty big mm-hmm. sort of the early part of the the decade, but, yeah, so, Dota and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I almost put League of Legends... I was like, I'll put League of Legends wherever that came out. It came out in 2009. Jesus. I know, I was like, that's a lot older than I thought, so... I wonder
3: why you can get high frame rates on, yeah. like, a potato.
2: But then 2013 did see the release of the other big one, which was Dota 2. Yeah. So, Dota 2. The one that Valve have yes. not done any work on <laughs>
3: Half-Life ever since that um, got released. Yeah, because
2: although they did release... Artifact, <laughs> everyone loved Artifact when it came out last year. Because, um, I mean, Dota, that was set in the Dota world, apparently. Yeah. Um, What's Dota, sorry? It's Dawn of the Ancients. Right. It's, some, it's basically like the multiplayer online battle arena, so you kind of pick. It's basically just you have big fights. Right. Stuff. And it, yeah. it's, it's a big it's and There's like thing. lanes, and you have to hit yeah. different roles for each yeah. lane,
0: and
3: it's basically. People will shout at you until you learn how to be good at the game, or stop playing it. This is why I've never
2: gotten into any real esports games. Yeah, but you know, obviously, Dota two kind of marked that. Um, And then the third one um, I picked for Last of Us as a defining game because it kind of it was another one of these games that kind of showed maturing storylines and really kind of showing you where what games can do with storytelling. I
3: also Getting sued by Ellen Payne. Yeah. <laughs> I might be
2: one of the only people who doesn't really
1: like that game. Mm. I have tried it twice now, but from the first round, PS4. and I struggle with it every time. I get bored. Mm. I find it quite difficult. Well, uh, I, I
2: about it. I sit on the other end of that because that is also my favourite pick for that year. <laughs> um, just because I really love the story of it. I really love the characterization. Um, like. Both the leads, both Troy Baker and Ashley Johnson, did an amazing job as their characters, and I feel like a lot of people kind of misunderstand how the game works because the game does sometimes feel a bit clunky, it does feel a bit slow, but it kind of it they it feels deliberate, like it's feeding into the survival aspect of it. That mm-hmm. I, can, know,
1: I can see why it's such so, why yeah. it's so loved, but yeah. some of just not to yeah. it sit right.
2: But yeah, like that. So, for me, that one was my favourite. Um, I, I was trying to find, like, could I put a different defining game And I was like, no, it's going to be the same thing. So, that's my favourite for 2013 as well. So, Let's,
3: uh, pass it over. I went with Saints Row 4. Again, this is based on games I've played. Mm-hmm. And yeah. because... I love it because it's one of the most stupid games ever. Yeah. You pay the president, Terry Crews is in it. Is it yes. Amazing? Um Keith David's in it. Yeah. It, it. It's basically like they just took everything that was hardcore and gritty about Saints Row in that, the first that two the games. games.
2: Is that the one where one of the voice options literally is Nolan
3: North? Yes. Yeah. And basically they just threw everything in the bin and we just went, we'll just make something stupid mm-hmm. and fun. And it, you can mess around. You can have Tron vehicles. There is actually a plot to it. Mm-hmm. Somewhere deep buried in the... <laughs> Because Saints Row the Third started on that journey where mm. Saints Row Four was basically just, yeah, we'll just yeah. throw it in. I, I remember the dubstep gun is probably still in charity shops around <laughs> the country. Uh, but I really enjoyed it. It's great fun to just pop on for an hour and a half and just have a wind down playing it. Yeah, from what I've
2: seen of it, like my understanding was that Saints Row kind of started out as like a GTA clone. Yeah, basically. And then I, and then I saw Saints Row 4 and I'm like, hang on, you're the president and you're fighting aliens. Yes. Yeah. So the first <laughs> one was like a true
3: GTA yeah. clone. Saints Row 2 added a touch of humour. Saints Row 3 is when it just started going weird, yeah. basically.
2: It, it feels like, you know, we're going to make a GTA clone and then they somehow lost their
3: minds. Yeah. A bit exactly. Just doing
2: that and it was just like, now we're just going to take it in this weird direction of,
3: but it is one of those games where you can do what you want Mm -hmm. and that's the great thing about it you can go and like have fun you can dress up as a clown Mm -hmm. the character creator is one of the like leading character creators at that time Mm -hmm. you can make yourself a blue miniature alien you can turn yourself into Shrek Mm -hmm. everybody was just playing around with the character creator when it came out I think they released the character creator as the demo with no actual gameplay (laughs) because people were just so obsessed with it It's, it's really good fun and I said worth pick up worth a couple of hours worth of time. Cool.
1: Keith joined. Well unfortunately
0: unfortunately pick my pick is exactly the same as Lee's. It's The Last of Us, which based on the fact that I'd been liking a lot of the kind of telltale gameplay, which was very story driven. What I liked about The Last of Us was the story, was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And Joel had got a look, so he was like, <laughs> okay, that's cool. Um and I did find it a frustrating game to play. It was often I would, I'd just get stuck and would have to replay parts again and again just to get through it. So it yeah. did feel at times like a slog.
1: I always remember watching Laura's dad sitting playing it, and there was a bit where like I think Joel had to creep around some chairs and there was some glass, and like he'd like yeah, yeah. like and then like if you stepped on the glass or something, and me and uh, Laura's boyfriend sat and watched him for half an hour. Creeping round and getting catched every time, we get more and more frustrated to the point where we both just sat there and we looked at each other and it's like, just like maybe if you didn't like stand on the grass, like you might not get caught. And he was like, all right. And then he did it one more time. And then he tried it the second time. And oh, what do you know? He managed to get past it. But we sat there for half an hour, just like, oh my god, was he working out? I'm
2: assuming this is like the clickers.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because
2: they those those moments with the clickers were just some of the tensest moments. I think some of those moments, I just did not breathe at any point during that. Yeah. So I was just like, no, <laughs> if I breathe, they'll yeah. heal me somehow.
0: Yeah, the mechanics of those sections did become very frustrating at times, mm-hmm. where you just thought, I just can't get through this because I just cannot get to the point where I'm, I'm clear of, of all of this, and something somewhere would trip you up, and you would just have to go through it again and again. But it was the, it was the strength of the story play, the story itself and the relationship between those two characters it Mm. was it was it was that it was like watching a tv show in some ways it was that kind of um you know it's very much the road the video game so it was kind of very kind of interesting so i kind of it was just a good it was a good game frustrating in many parts but the strength of the story won it won me over all right so i'm gonna be a little bit
1: cheeky because this was the first year i got playstation 3 i got i started playing pop our games instead of kiddie games, mm-hmm. you know, and actually realized I was a reasonably alright of them and started to actually get into gaming a lot more than until you know I used to play a lot of PC games, but I've had a good sort of 10 years where so I've literally just put and played on Wii and N64 and nothing else, not really been bothered in games, mm-hmm. probably more into girls or something like that, you know. Mm-hmm. but... Um, but <laughs> So, I really started getting into gaming more, and it was a great year, I think, to buy a PlayStation 3 because of the quality of games that came out that year. Plus, also at that
2: point, the system would have gotten really cheap. Yes.
1: (laughs) I remember we bought it on Boxing Day 2012. Uh, So, I'm going to cheekily say two, but one I'm not going to dwell on that much. So, Grand Mm Theft Auto 5 is because it's such a revolutionary piece of gaming. As someone who played the original Grand Theft Auto on PC to see where it has evolved to and just be immersed in that world. Superb game You know It's a game I frequently Go back to mm-hmm. Have a bit of fun with You know Like you said You just mess around You just have fun uh, So I went to World of But I'll, leave, I'll say it Hands down Is the best game I've ever played And still ever played I've struggled to will top it And I have no history Of playing the other Two games in the series But I kind of know Of them It's Bioshock Infinite So I went into that okay. Blind Just kind of Intrigued by the Steampunk element to it yeah. I didn't No, I knew kind of briefly what the other two games were about. Mm. However, I found myself still captivated by the story. I found myself flummoxed by what happened at the end of it. Like, I couldn't comprehend it. I was just watching the last sort of 20 minutes of that game. I've never seen anything like that on a computer game, where it's a head-twisting science fiction. Yeah, that, the
2: ending goes places.
1: (laughs) And like we've been to say, we had a little bit of knowledge about, about Bioshock before. Like, I kind of understood the end a little bit, but it was—it I've never played anything like it. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it to me, it's an in- incredible piece of work. It it's was- a, it's, it, to me, it's like... Because I only played stuff like Mario and things like that before, it was a point where I realised, actually, games want to tell you a story these days. Mm-hmm. They want you to complete the story. They don't want to make it too hard for you. Mm-hmm. They want you to find out what happens at the end of this. And I feel like with Bioshock, it's been too hard. Like, i have never found out what happened at the end of that mm-hmm. game, and it would have been disappointing, because that is an incredible end to a thing, and you can tell the people who made it were quite passionate about how pe- they want people to know this story, this yeah. story. It's, it's, a, it's a fantastic game. One of
2: it's... my favourite things with Bioshock Infinite is the use of music, mm. because it kind of, like, introduces the weird sci-fi elements through music. Yeah. Like, very early on in the game, you... Walk, you walk into Columbia, and it's a game set, they, you know, they make it clear it's set in 1912, and you walk past a barbershop quartet singing God only Knows" by the Beach Boys. My
1: favorite song. And I was
2: just like, hang on a minute, this is 1912. And that was the first sort of tip-off that something mm. is off about this world, and it's yeah, where yeah. that sort
3: of led. It was a fantastic bit of world-building as well. Yeah, this whole, it was basically just... You always felt like a carnival kind of thing mm-hmm. as you progress through the levels. It, it's got this yeah. really carnival feel, just and the, it's just like a creepy Hall of Mirrors all the way through. Mm-hmm. And it's
1: just the sheer design of it as well, like the way you move about in and with um, the range I am disappointed about uh, the original build of the game; it doesn't seem to be the one they went with because it seemed like the original build of the game was a bit crazier with the way the, yeah. light, the, the like the skyhook lines went and like just some of the concepts with Elizabeth. It seemed a bit more crazy. But like, the end of the game is superb. But I feel like some of the initial concepts that we saw in design, like, were maybe put aside, and I feel like it would have been a mu- even yeah, more like, better if they'd stuck with that the, as well.
2: The game did go through quite a few builds um, up to launch, and a, a lot of ideas got moved around and tossed about. Like, I think originally the idea of the Vigors was that Elizabeth was going to be the one casting spells mm-hmm. at some point, but somewhere on the one they gave it
3: back to the player that was one of the other great things about it as well you had a companion who didn't have to babysit all the time mm-hmm. she'd be off doing her own thing finding yeah and you cared about uh, like
1: you cared about the companion yeah, that you yeah. were with it was it's was just a fantastic game i just the thrill of just jumping onto the sky and just you're flinging through and you're seeing the world like at weird weird you're angles jumping
3: and down to the top of somebody and stabbing them for the exactly
1: <laughs> like i've never done i've never had a game like that before it's Oh, I don't think I'll ever play a better game than that. I do
2: love that for 2013, three of us have picked a game which is Troy Baker escorts the car somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it I had, was, had Nolan
3: North, we've got both it, pairs. Okay. <laughs> it's, it for
2: a four It is. Well, one great. of the voice options. So. I mean, I know we've got plenty more to talk about, but I want to say, hands down, that
3: 2013 I think was the best,
1: was get, modern, best year for gaming in the it studio. Was good, like, yeah, it yeah. was everything it hit the mark. Mm-hmm. Moving on to
2: 2014, um, we had games like Alien Isolation and Dark Souls 2, oh, is that
3: 2014?
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, Far Cry 4, Shadow of Mordor, Titanfall came out that year, Watch Dogs came out that year, um, we also kind of had PlayStation and Xbox both having cool team saves the world with Infamous Second Son and Sunset Overdrive respectively
1: oh god I tried to play Infamous Second Son recently I gave up after I mm. cut about, about three hours the main character in that is such a slow prick <laughs> like, I just couldn't buy it anymore that's Troy Baker again Oh he's a, he's a horrible horrible character and whether you make him good or evil or not He's just so snug <laughs> And he's not funny And he's kind of like I can't play I can't mm. play this game With this character
3: And the thing with Sunset Overdrive It was faced with this big new franchise Wasn't yeah. it It was faced with this big new Oh look shiny new console Look, mm. how, look how shiny the graphics are And everybody just went Yeah,
1: yeah. So it's a weird game
2: that one Yeah is. It's off um, It's also the year that we Saw the release of Five Nights at Freddy's One and two Because <laughs> that guy was just Pumping those things out Constantly and uh, great that, was that was another thing that sort of carried on with a lot of the YouTube stuff. Um, not a lot really, sort of trend wise, going on. But um, Assassin's Creed of that year, there were two. There was Rogue, which was on the old system, <laughs> and there was Unity on the new system. And of course, missing U- all Unity. The faces. Yeah, Unity <laughs> was the very broken one with no faces. Yeah. And the Call of Duty of that year was Advanced Warfare. We don't talk about that because of a certain actor who was in it. <laughs> um, and then, uh, and don't
3: forget to press F on the way. To yes, watch.
2: yes. Um, but the defining games for that year—the first one I went with uh, Destiny, because it was kind of the beginning of the sort of live service model that started coming in across the decade. Keith,
0: only just started playing. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, I haven't. Only just started. I've been playing for a while now, but not not the original version. I never. I didn't play the original Destiny, which is where. Like at yeah. that point, I just didn't have the time. To is that you is scratching that... your leg or something else? It's <laughs> <laughs> me scratching my leg. Um, yeah, so I didn't play the original Destiny. Although, mm. I kind, of, I've got, at this point now, I kind of want to go back to it because a lot of the world-building and mm. mythology yeah. that I've got in that game looks really interesting.
3: And didn't quite a few of the voice actors are like, Wonder...
0: wasn't it Peter Dinklage?
3: Was... Peter Dinklage yeah. was in it and got replaced by Nolan North. when. Yeah.
2: I don't remember what the
0: reason was. But... Yeah, Peter Dinklage was just not very good. Yeah. I had <laughs> as well. Them.
2: Mm. but yeah so that was kind of like the beginning of the live service model you know they were very insistent that it's not an MMO when it came out and then as the decades got on I kind of see what they were getting at still an MMO it, it? is still kind of an MMO um, then I picked Hearthstone as a sort of big fun game because again it's another one of those
3: big esports games that how do we make more money off Magic the Gathering yeah. basically remove the cardboard
2: yeah yeah um, but it's, you know, it's hugely popular and it's it's got loads of people watching it on Twitch and it's got, you know, be Sports eSports scene and so many games that have come out since just have bloody cards in them now because of Hearthstone. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, that's kind of a big one. And then I picked, as my third one, slightly unusual one, but you did kind of touch on it earlier, which is Broken Age, uh, because that was um, Double Fine and they wanted to bring back, like, the old... Point and Click Adventures. So it was the first major game funded on Kickstarter. So that first sort of big, you know, got wide coverage, of game funded on Kickstarter. So well, when you got Tim Schafer attached to something, yeah, you can't make money. Yeah, and it's one of those things where you know it sort of started that trend throughout the decade of games getting funded on Kickstarter, especially like games by people who'd worked on something in the past and wanted to make more of that stuff, but their current publishers wouldn't let them do that. So. It kind of led to a the,
3: recurring theme to this day yeah, it's like, you know, we saw
2: you know we started seeing things like Ukulele and Mighty Number no. 9 and Bloodstained all coming off the same sort of thing Broken Age kind of started off Death Strand all that coming up soon yeah. that wasn't two Kicks out of that. no, it but, was just yeah. rebelling against the yes. studio yeah. so those were the defining games of 2014, so one of people's favourites
3: I've gone with one you didn't actually mention oh? South Park, the stick of truth. Okay. <laughs> I, it, it is a genuinely, if you ever watch the South Park cartoon, it is a perfect representation of the humour and the kind of characterisation in that game. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the standout moments that you have in the series are replicated in that quite well. Um, it is actually quite a solid RPG underneath it as well. And it's just quite nice to have a South Park game where it's been lovingly crafted rather than, um, yeah, I did, like the early license. Yeah, titles. I did play the FPS on N64, and uh, no, yeah. <laughs> I rented it at the time, yeah. and it was just like it I think I'll let bring it get and it immediately just, took it back. Then South Park Racing as well, I think was the yeah, game, was it? yeah. But I, I, genuinely love it. It's, it's again stupid fun. Cool. There's a theme with all my games. But stupid fun. <laughs>
1: Uh, I, I this is why I found a loophole. Okay. Um, <clears throat> released on uh, the 20th of January 2014, Tomb Raider Definitive Edition. Okay. So I yes. I, I said like last that 2013 was on superb year for games, and I could, mm-hmm. I found it really hard to put between Bioshock, and Grand Theft Auto, and Tomb Raider because I loved all three games. I yeah. still think all three games are superb. So I loophole Tomb Raider. Yeah. Tomb Raider reboot, I think, was absolutely brilliant. I know there was a bit of criticism but I thought I've just I've just played it again this year. And I still mm. loved it. It's a fascinating game. It's so full of action. And yes, it's it's, it's taken from Uncharted, you know, mm. it's always been inspired. But like to see like a game that I played growing up, playing Tomb Raider one, Tomb Raider two, from PC, to become this modernized thing with like Lara Croft not being sexualized anymore, being a good action game. No, some of those groans. We've <laughs> <with, like, with, laughs> some recuts, <laughs> but with like with like solid action pieces. Um, I just, I literally love that game, I will probably play it on and off again for the rest of my life its You know, there's not much tomb raiding in it, but it's just a solid action game It feels like watching a film, I wish when they made the movie with akanda who was great as Lara Croft They'd actually taken that game beat for beat and remade it on film, mm. they only took elements of it And I think that was an error with the film, because the, the plot of that game is, the, is a movie-esque plot You mm. know, it's superb, okay, it's a bit corny in places but well, that would make a good film. It was
3: basically Indiana Jones meets Uncharted, wasn't it? Yeah.
1: But I feel like with this one, the Indiana Jones element isn't here. With this, you know, I like.
3: This is the thing. As
2: someone who is like a long-term Tomb Raider fan, played every single game, I have a lot of issues with the reboot series of just of how it relates to the to the older games and how I feel like it's missing some aspects of what I love about the older games. I oh, even seen Chris Barry, are you? No, in a, in a mansion. <laughs> no. I mean, not being able to lock a butler in a freezer is, is a disappointment, but <laughs> it goes kind of beyond that. It's just I feel like it's missing some of the, the sense of exploration, and yeah. I kind of liked a lot of the puzzle elements of the older games as well, and a lot of that's missing. There is a lot. There is less puzzles. And I but... feel like, I don't feel like Lara's characterisation is that good. I've got a lot of issues with it, so. What
1: well, you're enjoying with this game, though, is that, like, Lara You are with Lara There's a good There's kind of a good Cast of support characters Because they most most the video games That you cliche mm-hmm. But like Other characters In Lara Croft games Before Were never really That prominent yeah. Whereas like Now you've kind of Got characters That stand out Villains mm-hmm. that stand out You know like look, Jonah bless him Permanently in the friend zone You know <laughs> what I mean It's not like But he you get to know him a bit, you get to know people that surround her, whereas before you... She felt like, a loner, which was hard to relate yeah. to her.
2: There's a lot to like about the Deep Rain
3: Reboot series, but there are there still those issues that I have with it, but yeah. I mean, I'm expecting another reboot again soon, because I think they've pretty much finished the trilogy? Obviously. they finished the trilogy, I don't know what they're doing
2: next.
1: I hope so. they make making a one because to be honest, even if they knock out an average one every, every two or three years, I enjoyed the last game, yeah. it took me a week to complete it, I had fun playing it, I'd, you know, just keep knocking those games out. They're good. They're good. They're just good fun. They just, they're adventure action games with a few action sequences and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I like, I like playing them. You know, I like, they're, they're good fun, but the first one, it, it's a great game to go back to. You know, there's some good environments, some good locations and yeah, I think it gave too much of a to be honest, yeah. Cool.
0: I've picked something completely random. It's not very very oh, random. It's, it's 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 weird because it's partly because I wanted the action figures that came with it Um, because they're incredibly well designed um it was disney infinity marvel superheroes um the design work that they did on the characters for all of the disney infinity designs i quite liked um so this is kind of the beginning of the end for the kind of um, toys to life stuff but i kind of liked the mechanics of the disney games that you when you got a set you'd got part of the set was an actual kind of mini game levels mm-hmm. so when they've, they've done it with star wars and stuff as well but the idea that then outside of that you could take the character whatever character is you put on the the, the disney infinity grid you could then go and play other people's levels and so there was kind of it was quite a big community of, of games and levels and things that you could play or you could just kick around in the kind of hub world that disney had created just the kind of simple mechanics of it and the design work it was more of the aesthetics of the, of the little toys that you could buy which was great so I've still got tons of those and they mm-hmm. kind of did the whole uh, range of them and then they, they, they you know following on that they did more so you, you, this was the start you got the basic set of kind of the Hulk and Thor and Captain America and stuff and then later on you got some more from the films series but it was um, it was kind of cool it was just you know a good little fun game that I could play with the kids cool uh, My game for 2014 is Bayonetta 2. Because uh, the Bayonetta, I
2: really just enjoy a lot. Of On the Wii U. On the Wii U, yes. Um, But it's just that I really like a lot of what Platinum does. They just make these really good, solid action games where you're just going around fighting tons of enemies with just ridiculous combos and really over-the-top action sequences and really over-the-top set pieces. And Bayonetta 2 is kind of just a big sort of distillation of all of that. And it sort of really improves on a lot of the first game. It kind of makes the combat feel a lot more fluid. And uh, it's just really colourful as well, the, which the first game was kind of lacking. It was very grey, very brown. Um, but this one, they just injected a bunch of colour into it. And it's just, it's such a ridiculous game. The story doesn't make a lot of sense, but you don't really care because you just kind of go around fighting off angels and demons and just having a blast with it. And it's just a fun action game. That is the end of part one of our Gaming Roundup of the Decade. Uh, We'll see you again in part two.